0: Would you turn your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 5, please? Jeremiah chapter 5. A wonderful blessing to be in the house of God today and hear all this beautiful music. We appreciate Lloyd's message and song. Holy Spirit, fill me now. How very, very important and appropriate. And we would ask God's Spirit to fill us. Let's bow together a moment of prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in the house of God this morning. We pray for those whom who we have mentioned earlier, those who are on our hearts were very sick in the hospital, those who have passed through the valley of the shadow, standing by their loved ones as they were taken away in death. And now, Father, open our hearts to hear from God. May we know the presence, the leading, the direction of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah chapter 5 gives us the background for the message this morning. A strange title, Run, See, Know, Seek If You Can Find a Man. A man that God can use. Look at this. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon. It. America is much like Judah was in the day when Jeremiah lived. Jeremiah lived shortly after Isaiah died. He lived in a dark time of Judah's history. Northern Israel had gone into captivity under the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And because of the perilous condition spiritually, you would think that southern Judah would learn a lesson from her northern sister. But she didn't. She went on in her sin, in her debauchery, in ignoring God, in rejecting his claims on their lives. Early in Jeremiah, we read some interesting statements that give us a parallel or an observation of what was going on in that day. In chapter 2, hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this. Be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. That was the picture of the day in which Jeremiah lived. He preached 40 years. There were no converts. A friend of mine was going as a missionary to East Pakistan, Jim McKinley. And when he went to the orientation for missionaries, they said, to him, Jim, how would you feel if you went to East Pakistan and you lived there and preached and worked for seven years and there were no converts? He said, that'd be awful hard. I'd wonder if I was in the right place. Well, they said that's what that Norm Tudson did. That's what William Carey did. That's what many of the great missionaries of old have done. And when Jim McKinley came back on his first missionary journey, first missionary furlough, he looked at me with tears and he said that what they said to me was true. I tried and tried to witness. He went to a Muslim country. He later became friends with Muslims and won many to the Lord. But during that first session, he didn't win anybody. It was hard. I encouraged him to try to deal with the Hindus when he went back. And he did. And he went from Hindus to the Lord. And then God began to open the door. I think sometimes God wants to see if we're going to be faithful. So he sort of tries it. James, the book of James says, uh, Don't be astonished when you fall into diverse trials. These trials will come. The song says, Tempted and tried, we're all made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long, while there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. And some of you have gone through dark trials and hurts. We've learned, we've leaned, lived long enough to learn that faith, that life is not fair. Have you felt that already? You know that life is not really fair? There are a lot of unfair things coming. Sometimes I'll talk to people who are going through terrible trouble and they'll just look up at me and say, you know, that's just not fair. And it isn't. But it's one of the trials that God allows us to go through to see what we're made of. To see if we have stick to it this. In the book of Acts, chapter 6, the church had multiplied and there were over 65,000 people in the church in Jerusalem. And there were murmurings. The Grecians against the Hebrews. They thought they were being neglected. Ever felt like you were neglected? We face that a lot of times. Incidentally, the hospitals are putting on a new rule. They no longer furnish the ministers the list of the denomination. So if you get in the hospital, be sure to let us know. But don't go in and out and then say, Why didn't you come and visit us? We didn't know you were there. And you know those things happen. So be sure to let us know about that. Anyway... Jeremiah preached and preached and preached, and one day he said, Lord, I, you, you just haven't been fair to me. Uh, Lord, I've preached the word for all these years, and nobody listens, nobody cares. I'm going to quit. And then the word says, his word was in my bones like a fire. Amen. I couldn't quit. Uh, you see, the test of a real believer Comes When you get in trouble, when you have trials, when you get hurt, and you look around and you know things are not fair, do you curl up in a knot and die? You just say, well, I've had enough of that church stuff. I'm not going back anymore. I've talked to people like that. Or do you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I trust you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, the shadow of pain. A shadow of misunderstanding, a shadow of illness, a shadow of trouble, a shadow of death itself. I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff will comfort me.
1: Amen.
0: Well, these disciples in Acts chapter six were having some problems, and so wisely the apostle said, "Well, let's uh, get all the multitude together and you select some men." who will carry these burdens, who will wait on tables. Now the waiting on tables doesn't mean just the communion or the Lord's Supper. It has to do with the, being a troubleshooter, taking care of little things along the way, putting out fires here and there. That's what those the deacons were to do. And so the, the saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Philip and Stephen and Nicanor, and Prochris, and Nicholas, and on and on. They chose those men, but they said there has to be some qualifications, because always there are qualifications for a somebody that God can make us, from a nobody that God can make a somebody out of.
2: Amen.
0: Remember that most of us come here as nobody. <laughs> now, the Social Security Administration has come to our rescue. When you get born, I think today they give you a Social Security number. Is that right? Is that right or wrong? I think they do. I didn't get one until I was 18, so I was a nobody all those years. Now everybody gets yours as somebody to Uncle Sam, but you're still a nobody until you begin to show forth some qualifications that God can use to make you a somebody. And so the apostles said to the people, here are the men, the kind of men you should choose. Number one, men that are of honest report. That means on the outside. People look at them, they, they respect them. They, they honor them. They know who they are. And uh, they, they're, they're that kind of people. And then men that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit is a soul winning zeal. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't come into our lives to make us clap our hands and jump up and down and excite and speak in other tongues and so on. Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to make you feel good. The Holy Spirit comes to give you witness power so you can tell other people about Jesus and pass the torch on to others. And then men that are filled with wisdom. Where do you get wisdom? In James chapter 1, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, doesn't scold. So if you need wisdom, here's how to get it. Number one, ask God. And you know what God will tell you? Read the word. Paul said one day to Timothy, you have been wise unto salvation because you were taught the scriptures from your childhood. You get wisdom from the Bible. Billy Graham has told people for years, read a chapter from Proverbs every day. One a day, every month. You'll read the book of Proverbs through over and over and over again, and it will assimilate into your life, and you'll have some of God's wisdom without even knowing it. It's there. And so these men were to be men filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with wisdom. That is, they read the Word. They believed the Word. They tried to put it into life. And then fourthly, these were to be men who were appointed, to be, a, to be appointed over business. Now keep in mind that this board of deacons were never a board of deacons. They were a body. They were never a board that ran anything. They were rather people that surrounded the apostles and assisted them Amen. Right. that's what deacons are Amen. some churches have the idea well here comes some wealthy man in here he's a bank president or he's this or that or the other and boy he's good i'm glad he's a baptist we'll elect him as a deacon he has no business being a deacon any more than a monkey does a deacon is somebody of honest report full of the holy spirit full of wisdom who is available to be appointed over this business He's not in charge. He is ready to be appointed. Amen. Right. That's what these men were. Two outstanding, of, of them, <clears throat> two outstanding men were Stephen <clears throat> and Philip. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. He went out on the streets of Jerusalem and began to talk about Jesus and tell his testimony. And uh, they arrested him. They do that today sometimes. And they put him on trial. And there, on trial, he talked about the wonderful resurrection of Jesus. Amen. And they hated him. They began to throw stones at him. And standing there, to throw those stones <coughs> was a young man from Tarsus named Saul. And as Stephen was dying, he said, I see Jesus, and he's standing at the right hand of the Father. And Saul never could get her right way from those words. They killed Stephen that day, first Christian martyr. Saul went a few days later to the Damascus to, to kill some more Christians over there. And all the way he heard, I see Jesus, I see Jesus. Where did he get that? What? From the mouth of that deacon who was fearless in the face of the crowd. Ten miles outside the ancient city of Damascus, Saul heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you, sir? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Saul said, Lord, what will you have me to do? He surrendered to the Lord. And God began to use him. Another one of those men was Philip. And Philip went down to Samaria and preached in a revival and great people, many people were getting saved. And there was a great time, wonderful enthusiasm. And the Bible says in chapter 8, there was great joy in that city. When Amen. Jesus comes, there's great joy. Amen. There's enthusiasm. There's a holiness about it. One of the uh, blessings of the Billy Graham crusades and the meeting is in Cincinnati this week. Remember Billy Graham in prayer. 83 years old and he keeps on going. Amen. And Bev Shea is 93, and he keeps on singing. Amen. They didn't say, well, I'll tell you, i let the younger group do it. I'll just lean back and do nothing. Shame on you old people. How dare you ever think that you turn everything over to some young people. You keep on keeping on until God says, come on home. Amen. That's what Billy Graham has done. And one of, the, one of the blessings of the Billy Graham crusade, it makes people god come. And you go to those crusades, and not everybody goes. or are Christians. And they're certainly not all Baptists. They're different denominations and, and some nothing. And yet there's a fellowship when you go and you enjoy being with each other. That's what happens in the Christian economy. And that's what was happening in Philippi in, the, in Samaria when Philip was there. Then all of a sudden, God said, Philip, I need you somewhere else. I know you're having a great time here. Many people are getting saved. You come on, I have one an appointment for you down on the road to Gazer. Now, Philip didn't argue. He said, all right, Lord, I'll do it. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Right. And Philip got up and did what God said. He went down there on the road to Gazer. Here came a great, richy, rich, fancy chariot, a great statesman an Ethiopian eunuch, maybe secretary of state down in Ethiopia, somebody really important. And he was coming along, he was reading the Bible. He was reading from Isaiah 53. (laughs) And Philip had the audacious boldness to say, hey, do you understand what you're reading? (laughs) The man said, how can I unless somebody tell me? And Philip climbed up in that chariot, that rich chariot, that statesman chariot. I don't know what happened to all the bodyguards. They must have stood in wonder. God told Philip to do it, and he did it. He got up there, sat down beside him, and began to preach from Isaiah 53, Jesus. Man. And in a little while, that man gave his heart to Christ. Now, all along, while Philip was telling him how to be saved, he was stressing the importance of being baptized. You know, you don't have to be baptized to be saved, but anybody gets saved and doesn't want to be baptized, something's wrong with them. Right. They, they're disobedient to the Lord. And so... Philip told him about being baptized. And all of a sudden they came to a body of water and the eunuch said, stop the chariot. There's some water. Why cannot not I be baptized? And Philip turned to him in wonder and said, do you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ and he's risen from the dead? I believe. They went down into the water. Now I want you to know that he didn't get a little handful of water and sprinkle it on his head. He didn't get a little bit of water and put it on his forehead. They went down into the water. He baptized them. They came up out of the water. Every time you see baptized in the Bible, remember it's a transliteration. It's not a translation. It's a transliteration. The Greek word is baptizo. A translation of that is dip. Years and years ago, one translation of the one version of the Bible came out, and every time you see baptized, they they put uh, immersed. Well, it was an unpopular group, uh, uh, translation because Catholics didn't like it, the Lutherans didn't like it, the, ba- the Methodists didn't like it, and none of the others liked it because they followed the practice of the Catholic Church in sprinkling. I'm not being critical, I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> Tell them what the Bible says. The Bible says, they went down and he baptized me. And they came up out of the water. And then... The Spirit caught away Philip and the unit went on down to Ethiopia, started a church and there's a great Christian group down there started by that Ethiopian unit. That was the kind of man God could use. A man filled with the Holy Spirit. A man filled with the wisdom of God. A man of honest report, And a man who was available to be appointed. He didn't argue, he just said, yes, I'll do it. All right.
1: In closing, I want to mention just four
0: characteristics of the man that God can use. Run ye, uh, Jeremiah said, run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See if you can find a man, anybody, that will stand in the gap and make up the head. The man God can use is a fearless man. He's not afraid of what the crowd will think. He's not too safe to say one thing to one group or another thing to another group. He just says this, is what I know the Bible teaches, I'm going to stand here. Period. Just do it. I heard the other day about a, a man that got off, off all off his spiritual balance, if he ever had one. And he got all upset with a, another pastor in another, another church. He went over and got some, some of those deacons together and began to feed them all kinds of garbage. And the deacons turned against their pastor. The pastor had to resign because that man was filled with the devil. That can happen. But be very careful. You do not touch the Lord's anointing.
1: Right.
0: Well, a man that God can use is going to be fearless in the face of all kinds of problems. Fearless. Number two, he's going to be farsighted. Stephen saw the need of telling about Jesus and he told about Jesus fearlessly and far-sightedly wanting to win as many until Christ as possible, and he died doing it. Are you willing to do that? Jesus said, you cannot serve me if you're not willing to take up your cross and deny yourself. Denying yourself doesn't mean having a Lenten experience where you don't eat very much, or, or a Ramadan experience where you eat early breakfast and then go all day without any food and then eat late at night. That's not, that's not that. The spiritual fast is getting so busy doing the work of the Lord that you don't have time to take care of minor things. That's the real fact. And so that's what they did. They were farsighted seeing the need in people's lives. And today we need some farsighted people who will look down the corridor of the years ahead. Listen, the great blessings of God on this church have been Wonderful. Wonderful. Right while we're preaching here today and you're listening and, and, and praying and singing, over two hundred people who have sat where we sit Amen. are out there telling the gospel around the world. Amen. Here and there. And many of them have gone, they have larger churches than ours. Holly Miller will be with us a little while during the anniversary revival. His church running over two thousand in Sunday schools. Bill Ricketts down there in Athens, Georgia over 2,000 in Sunday Amen. school. Kevin Ham in Louisville, 1,500 to 2,000 in Sunday school. Amen. All around the world, there are people doing a great, great work. Lonnie Mattingly in Louisville, Amen. down in Portland, an impossible place, running 2,000 in Sunday school. Amen. They came from our church. You sent them out. You ordained them. Tack Atlanta in, or in Japan, and on and on we could go. What well, God used you? See, we need people who are far-sighted. E. L. Holmes was one of our early deacons. Some of you remember him. E. L. Holmes <coughs> said in a deacons' meeting one day years ago, when we were in the first building, he said, "I pray that this church will have the vision to see young people called out from our church, and that we will support them in their mission field." We're doing a little bit of that, not as much as we ought to, but some. That's the kind of far-sightedness we need. Amen. That's the kind of far-sightedness that a that God can use in a man. And then, thirdly, he needs to be a follower. You remember that Stephen and Philip were both followers of the apostles. One of the qualifications was a man that could be appointed over this business. Not somebody that tells everybody what to do. Nobody, not somebody at the board of directors and, boy, he's a boss and he's going to dictate. No, no. He's somebody that can be appointed Amen. over the God. work. And that's what Philip and Stephen excelled in. Yeah. And that's what God can use in a person if we're good followers. Somebody said you cannot be a good leader until you're a good follower. The Bible is full of shipwrecks, Hymenaeus, and others, demons, who could not stand to be a follower. So, when we choose people to serve in this important responsibility, we choose people who will be followers, not dictators. And last of all, people who will think about the future, the future. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. I've been more and more impressed with this. I had a, a, J.C. Kirby and I were close friends for 45 years. We never fished together. Never went out and ate together. Never did anything like that. But we were close friends. The last time I visited him at his home, when I got there, he opened the door. He just hugged my neck and said, I'm so glad to see you. He went to be with the Lord the other day. I miss him. I guess many thought he'd be here forever. He's gone now. He's a, he's a landmark in Bowling Green, but he's gone. You and I are going to be gone. We're not going to be here forever. A hundred years will settle us all. If the Lord carries that long, probably not anybody here will be over a hundred. Maybe maybe one of these little kids will live to be 120. I don't know. They're letting years last longer now. This little Emmy, Emily over here, she may relive the 140. Oh, no. She may not either. But I'm going to tell you, we need to think about the future. Amen.
1: Right. We're gonna, when we get over to
0: heaven, we're going to face the judgment seat of Christ. Those who are believers. And Amen. the Lord's going to say, what did you do with what you had? What did you do with the talents I gave you? Did you waste them on the world? Or did you tell people about Jesus? What did you do with the money I gave you? Did you squander it all and put it and hoard it away in your banks? Or did you use it for the glory of Christ and his work? Yes. What did you do with what I gave you? Let's not stand at the judgment seat of Christ to be ashamed. Let's determine right now, God, use me. Lord, use me. Here's my life. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my voice and let me sing all that's only for the kingdom. I've never heard, I don't know whether he does or not. I'm not a policeman, I don't follow Lloyd around. But I've never heard him sing anything that doesn't honor Jesus. He never sings these little He doesn't sing some song that nobody ever heard of in some foreign language and yodel around and all that. He just gets up and sings about Jesus. And you can always get blessed as he sings. Chris Mansfield does the same thing. I'm going to tell you, use your gift of the Lord. Whatever he's given you, use it for God. You've got a cup of cold water? Give it in the name of Jesus.
1: Amen.
0: God will bless you. And you know what will happen to them? The Bible says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to start glowing for the Lord. And they'll be somebody that God can use in a marvelous and magnetic way. And they'll be out there shining for the Lord all through life and over into eternity. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of firmament, And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Let's do it. Let's do it for Jesus' sake. And God will make your life worthwhile. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you that life can be lived in the shallows or it can be lived on the mountains. We can be a dull drum or we can be a bright shining star. We pray you will make us men and women that God could use. Right in this place right now, stir the hearts of every one of us. And we would say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I'll do it until Jesus comes. And Father, somebody here who has never been saved, help him to come to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. 350. Turn to, your, to hymn book number 350, please. I can hear the Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow me. The invitation is very simple. First of all, if you're not saved, you've never given your heart to Christ, let me encourage you to come today. Just say, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I want Jesus to live in my life. You see, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. They buried him. But three days later, he came to life. He's a, he was resurrected. He's a living Savior. He wants to live inside of you, but you have to open the door. He knocks at the door, but you have to open Will you do that? Then the invitation is for those who have been saved but have not been baptized and you want to follow the Lord in baptism. You come. Or if you're a member of another church and God wants you here, you come. While we sing, while we pray, will you do what God tells you to do?